Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. My name is Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about the DC Comics released on February 13th, 2019, starting with Detective Comics number 998, just two away from that milestone 1000, written by Peter Tomasi, illustrated by Doug Monkey. Zach, you had texted us earlier that you had a hot take about this issue, so why don't you kick this off for us? This is the nightmare arc in Batman done right, and this arc is good now. This is a terrible comic, Zach. (laughs) Nope, nope. That ending page was so weird and good, (laughs) it redeemed the entire arc. Zach, this is a bad comic. Nope, nope. (laughs) Did you read the last page? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> and the last page was interesting, I will give you that. Nope, nope. <laughs> this is a seminal Batman arc. <laughs> it's good. It's better than Batman. That's not hard. <laughs> and it's good. I'm going to st- I'm standing by this. I, I am stunned to silence. <laughs> Vince, what do you think about this? As always. <laughs> of course. I am somewhere between you two. But I presume I... you're a lot closer to where I am. Uh, I want to I say I am right down the middle. Um, here's what, here's what I'll say. I do agree. I don't think that this totally redeems the arc. I think this is a lot better, uh, of an issue of a Batman comic book than any of those other ones have been. And I think it does now that the, now that the, the, premise behind everything is sort of hinted at more they don't we don't we still don't know exactly what's going on but i mean in some ways we're actually more confused now but 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 what i'm saying is like (laughs) when when he's at dr stone's office and kind of reality falls apart into this seemingly it looks like virtual reality right like or something everything turns green uh he's in the matrix we get it yeah, basically, basically. Like, at that point, I thought, oh, this is a lot more interesting. Obviously, we knew there was some fake out that was going to happen, or, or there was, you know. But I, I thought this is a lot, like, as he's talked, first of all, I really like that exchange with, with Dr. Stone. Um, not Dr. Stone from uh, Weekly Shonen Jump. Um <laughs> Those but cowards. <laughs> <laughs> Will you see Batman uh, or Detective Comics 1000? That that's when the, that's when the manga crossover Batman is going to be in Jump Force, Zach. Um no, but uh I thought that conversation was really interesting. It was really it was very playful in that that 
the whole time you're reading it, you're going, what's going on here? You know, and then it all kind of falls apart at the end. And I thought that part was pretty well done. And then that final page is just nutso. And it's almost like <laughs> at first I was like, is that Doug Monkey just being really bad at drawing Batmite? <laughs> like, is he just, <laughs> I thought that too at first. I did he, too. Yeah, is he drawing Batmite just too realistic? Or what's you know, what's going on here? Um but I, I love that I, I love that I have absolutely no idea what it is, and I love that they're not afraid to be goofy with Batman because this is this could easily be a page that you flip to and half the people reading this comic feel completely alienated because they're not willing to go along with the with the playfulness, you know? Because they like their Batman dark and gritty or whatever, you know. Uh, See, my my theory is I don't think this is all that playful. No, I don't know. I I think it's I think it's Kid Bruce in a bat outfit, and it looks ridiculous, and I love it. Yeah, that's what I that's what I that's where I think they're going with this too. Um, Lord knows how they get there, but but I think that's what this is. Um, I also like that this arc doesn't. This arc really um, taps into the sort of fantasy and science fiction aspects of DC Comics and 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 Batman and the whole thing. It's not concerned with being overly realistic or really all that gritty. Um, I appreciate that about it. I think it's not. It's maybe not tethered enough to anything as a story to be really satisfying but um this issue was an improvement and and i do i do love the goofy ending so i'm i think i'm i think i'm between you guys (laughs) so like i am all for comics being comics and being silly and goofy and all of that but to have like a super bat suit that can also drain his life force (laughs) <laughs> is just really dumb comic booking. But that's already this is a thing already. We've seen this before. Yeah, but I don't think that's ever been ex- that yeah, that, that has ever been explained. I, I don't think they they ever said like you got to be careful cuz if you try too hard you're going to die. Like that's I I think that's the new thing. Right? I don't know. I I didn't read all of I didn't read the like Batman and Robin run where this was introduced. I only know it from um when it showed up in Superman, okay, yeah, I don't. And Lois I don't, used it. I don't remember that aspect of it, um, but I, I just generally feel like this arc is so unfocused and just—I don't know. I think part of it is that I I hold Tomasi to higher standards than I hold other writers, and because he is so talented and so capable of doing really good stuff, and this just feels lazy and uh you know the if this is like all matrixy vr stuff and leslie Tompkins isn't dead and all of that then this is just one of those stories that attempts to shock and sacrifices good storytelling for that shock and uh yeah i think this is utter garbage just dreck wow i uh, man wow 
I mean, I'm being a little hyperbolic, but I did like this. This was by far the worst comic of the week. No, sir. <laughs> there were several others that will not be mentioned. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't speak, I guess, for all comics everywhere, but of the comics I read this week, this is by far the worst one. Uh, no, nope. <laughs> nope. Zach's not going to allow it. I will not allow it. Well... Luckily, I have I'm gonna control, I'm gonna so. even go so far as to say that this was not the worst comic of the week to feature Etrigan. <laughs> oh, you're not that the that. other one was bad either, but that I liked this one better. Man, that uh, I, all I can really say is uh, go back to searching Kevin James. This. <laughs> is good this is different i just i this is this is is it different this doesn't feel different at all to me it's it's weird it's it's it it's dumb but like it's good i think i think it's good i think the art is good i think it's good monkey art i think it's maybe better monkey art than the last few issues have been i think the I I feel like I'm seeing the pieces come together a little bit more and I'm excited for the next two issues. Well, you're just excited for 1000 to get your Arkham Knight on. <laughs> I do not care about that. You say that now. Maybe I will be. Maybe there will be a really weird thing. This feels like a Twin Peaks ending. Not a good one. Not This isn't like <laughs> on the level of Twin Peaks, but this is this is like Tomasi trying to do Twin Peaks. I mean, I mean, this book just sucks. I don't know what else to tell you here. I, I, I really, I, I really so, can't believe you like this book. I did. I did. <clears throat> it's a shame. Uh, Take me off the DC three. That's fine. No, no. He'll just go read Spawn and be happy. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, McFarlane boy over here. Um, no, I, uh, I really hope that this arc winds up redeeming itself, but I can't see how that's possible. I think it's gonna make a great deluxe hardcover one day. (laughs) You know what this is like, actually. This reminds me a little bit, just sort of in its placement in the Batman sort of world right now, of when, um, it's a much worse version of this, but when Manipal and Bucoletto took over Detective Comics for a while, where it felt like they had these really interesting big ideas that were going to be sort of played with more and then never really got there and it just turned into kind of a stalling mechanism because they didn't have like an overall thing they were working towards this feels like a very stalling out arc for me especially if it's all vr didn't really happen then that's like the most classic example of just uh killing time until something big happens well considering at least 
two Kingdom Hearts games are in virtual realities that don't really matter or or are in uh, someone else's memory that didn't really happen. I disagree with you wholeheartedly, Brian B. Salvatore. Yeah, well, not, not all of us can be woke to Kingdom Hearts the way you are. They can't. Not everyone can. But many are. More friends than I thought are really into Kingdom Hearts. Twitter has taught me over the last week or so. <laughs> you need to play the whole thing. What's the first one? What system was the first one on? Uh, it was on PS2, but the, you can get everything on PS4 now. So first, you, you can play PS4. through the entire. <laughs> you can play through the entire series on PS4 right now. All right, so first step by a PS4. Yes. Okay. I make Let's no start a Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> for the yeah. sole purpose of of me playing Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Man, we are on our bullshit tonight. I like this issue. <laughs> I I do, I think it's Drek. <laughs> Moving on. Do we have to? This is too much fun. <laughs> and okay. we're done. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not about the Flash number sixty-four, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Rafa Sandoval. Um, this is uh, part two of the price. The price. Um, the price. I'm glad we have that. Yeah, Vince, you didn't talk much last time because you were letting. Zach and I be petty and argue about uh Yeah, it was great. Tech. If you want to do it again, I'm willing no, to No, so why don't you start us off with this one? Well, um I liked this issue overall. I think this arc itself kind of feels like a I don't want to say a cash grab because it's. It, I think it's really well written, and I think Joshua Williamson has imbued it with a a bunch of of really great character moments. Um, so I'm not saying that it's like a, a a not a worthwhile endeavor, but I feel like its conception is entirely like. <laughs> did, does this really need to be a four issue crossover? No, this is like Tom King needed needed a breather. Yeah, because so little is going on from issue to issue. It's I, uh, I'm I'm kind of I'm surprised that like this does not feel anywhere near as momentous as Loboten, which felt like it was intersecting with everything that was going on in DC Rebirth. Right, this sort of does that, but also not. It doesn't feel as important as the button did, you know. Um, but having said that, I think like the inner monologue uh, that Bruce and Barry have in this the, like, really monologues. Yeah, and it, it really highlights their characters in relation to one another really well. And then, then in the it informs the way that they talk to one another when you see their their dialogue balloons that. Um, are meant to be them speaking to one another. Like I, for example, I love, they, they both, it comes across as, you know, Bruce and Barry are very much teammates. They like one another, but they are not, they're not friends. Right. Right. Not in the, way, that, not in the way that like Hal and Barry or Bruce and Clark are. Right. So 
in their in their uh, narration, they they both arrive at the point that th- he's trying. They each of them say that the other one is trying at making this investigation work and making their relationship work. You know, and then in the very panel where they say that, Barry asks about how's married life with Selena to Bruce, right? And then Bruce is like, "Oh my God, you don't know." And then Barry immediately takes a phone call. And then by the end of it, forgets that he even brought up Selena. And I think that that's such a perfect, if we know anything about the way that Barry's kind of been characterized over the last couple of years, um, and I think it rings true for Barry as a character in general, it's that he's constantly moving and that includes his like focus or his thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen, we've seen over the years him sort of, uh, drop iris at a moment's notice to go off and and do something obsessed with his investigation or stopping crime or whatever you know um and i think that whole sequence it's it's really subtle to have him bring up selena and then it's never brought up again but i i think that that's a perfect character moment between the two of them and bruce probably doesn't want to talk about it anyway right right um, so that, that was really great. And there were a couple moments like that. That's not the only one, but it's, it's the only one I'll, I'll talk about. But, um, uh, and, and the art's great. It's Rafa Sandoval who we've, we've seen on, uh, he was on one of the Green Lantern books and then also Flash. Um, he's one of those like mainstay DC film artists. Yeah. But like, mm. like the best possible version of that, you know? Yes. Um, I think his stuff is really expressive and, um, yeah, it's great. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like this a lot despite not really knowing why this had to be a, a four issue crossover, but what'd you guys think? Uh, Brian, you want to go or you want me to go? I mean, I just can't wait to hear how great you think this is if you thought that the, the, the tech was good. So <laughs> I this thought, must I be thought like tech, issue of the year comments. Uh, no, I thought here. tech was better than this. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. You're so um, fucking high. I thought this was fine. I liked the bit that Vince mentioned about, like, Barry not knowing about the Selena thing. I thought that that was a moment that played out really well. Um, I thought i just thought i mean mostly there were just like a few interesting character moments the fact that like bruce never investigated like who made gotham and gotham girl is a note that i like hadn't even thought about or considered and is interesting to me um so that's cool um this yeah this still doesn't feel that interesting um i don't really understand what the purpose is i'm like a little hopeful that it could um wrap up and be interesting i don't know i i think if we went back and looked at our sort of um contemporary reviews of the button the three of us i mean the first two issues not much happened Mm-hmm. And then the last two really like amped it up, or was it was it the opposite? Was it the first two? I remember two. No, I think I think you're right. I remember us saying like this felt like it was a, a, an idea that was stretched way too thin, and I think that's probably similar here. Um, 
But my big takeaway from this issue, aside from just that Zach has gone insane and I'm legitimately worried, worried about his mental health right now, um, is that can you imagine how unreadable this would be if it was written by Tom King? Um, Williamson brings such hope and respect and uh, just fun to this issue and I mean Vince put it out the best character bit but there's a lot of moments like that throughout the issue that just really feel like a perfect thesis on why Tom King's Batman is bad and uh, I think that this issue goes a long way to showing Barry as the far superior detective, which is something that I never thought would really be addressed here. Um, I think it makes Gotham and Gotham Girl interesting for the first time in a long time. And part of that is because I haven't really been around that much, but I think that there's there's a lot in this that I thought was very good in that regard. Uh, like Vince said, Sandoval's art is really solid here. The book looks really nice. There's something about Tom King's writing that, and we've talked about this a number of times in the past, that not all artists can jibe with it all that well. Uh, like we were saying specifically uh, Michael Janin, we feel like his work is very stilted when doing a, a King book. And I felt like it was just so clear how much how Sandoval was just able to imbue so much fun and so much goodwill into this comic. And it feels so different. I know this is an issue with The Flash, but this crossover feels so different than Tom King's Batman, not just in the tone of the writing, but also in how the artists are allowed to sort of be a little bit looser and not so um, locked into this like grimdark tone that is that is infecting Batman right now. I really can't believe you think that that tech was better than this, though, Zach. You guys going to do this all episode? I think we are. We may. Um, I also think the mystery... There there are a couple wrinkles to the mystery that I really like. I like the way that that Williamson sets them up. Um, The fact that these bodies are in the Bacta tanks of Venom floating around and I, I love that there's two that are empty which is obviously Gotham and Gotham Girl I would assume right and then there's one broken where you've got the share zone guy like leaning out of it <laughs> and uh admin. And, call him admin yeah admin leaning out of it and uh and Bruce determines that it's been about a year um due to the state of the decomposition of the body and then the rest are all still in the tanks. And then, of course, they're released by the end of the issue. But I I love the little details there in, in how they build that mystery, you know? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, the more I talk about it, the more I like this issue. I still just think, I, I, I think as an eventy crossover, it's kind of, I don't know. It's underwhelming only in that regard, I think. But I think it's solid comic booking and it's solid writing. Yeah. It's solid. It is. 
I think I think the next few issues could be a lot more interesting. I I will say that I think uh, Williamson also has managed to like um, give more honest reactions to Sanctuary in these two issues than King has done in any of his Heroes in Crisis stuff. Like, even just how Iris reacts on this issue to, like, mention of Batman and also to the whole, you know, they were going to talk to Wallace about what happened to Wally. Like, all of that just feels way more natural and way more like how, an actual, how actual people would respond to tragedy versus how Tom King writes them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think part of that is, and I don't want to pile too much more on on King's Batman because we've been there, done that. But I to to specifically attack the point as to why that is, I I think King's dialogue, and of course that ends up affecting the art because it events it ends up affecting the pacing of the visual storytelling. It's it's done with this cadence that is supposed to suggest realism. You know, it's it's almost like the the Mammoth or the Sorkin or the Bendis thing where it's style it's stylized dialogue and yet it's supposed to come off as realistic or it's it's we're told that it's realistic, right? And it's really not. It's not the way people talk. And I don't know if I don't know if uh, Josh Williamson's dialogue in this issue is the way that people talk, but it's the way that superheroes talk in comic books, right? right? And so it reads so much more smoothly. It works with the art so much better. And and that, for me, is one of the major differences. I mean, and it ends up affecting everything. It ends up affecting the the tone, the pacing, the the way that the um, humor and the seriousness run together. I know that in King's Batman, we often have a problem with all of a sudden there'll be something w- really wacky out of left field, like a Bat Burger reference or whatever, and, and it doesn't jive with everything else. And the Heroes in Crisis is the same way. All, all of a sudden there's this um, irreverent joke made while they're standing over like a bunch of dead bodies or something, you know? Um, it affects the, the, the dialogue and the approach to it really affects everything. Um, and I, I think that's just one of the major differences between the two writers that, that ends up making this work better than what came before. Yeah. Well said. Well, that brings us to justice league dark number eight written by James Titan, the fourth illustrated by Alvaro Martinez Bueno. Um, Let's not Very bury Bueno. Yes. Uh let's not bury the lead here, guys. Khalid is back. He's good again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh the Doctor Fate of the uh Paul Levitt's written Sonny uh Sonny Lou illustrated Doctor Fate series from twenty sixteen? Twenty fifteen? Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Wow, that's a long time ago. <laughs> um, is back, baby, and he's good again. Um, isn't it and, also bizarre that Paul Levitz wrote that? Yeah, that yeah. yeah yeah that is weird to think about. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, and the page that he's reintroduced is very cool. It's the it looks like an urn, and all the different panels make up the shape of an urn that shatters at the bottom. Yeah, and releases him. And and the panels are so small that when I was reading it, I was like, "Who is that?" And then on the next page, oh, so that was awesome. The yeah. art's great. Yeah, and this issue has a really fun. So so you know, if you had to think about. All right, well, how is Khalid going to get out of out of that, you know, out of being trapped in that dimensional prison or whatever? I don't think anybody on their bingo card had, you know, Man Bat t- tries to learn magic. But I thought that was a really, <laughs> really fun sequence with him trying to learn magic. And I did not figure out what he was trying to do until it was happening. And then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, this is happening. It was It was really fun. I think there was some really nice Etrigan stuff in this issue. Um, Just not as good as in tag. (laughs) (laughs) Gone, gone. Zach, you little rascal. Rise the demon, Zach Wilkerson. <laughs> Zach, you got to speak in rhyme for the rest of the show. Oh, <clears throat> um. <laughs> I love this. This is you guys are. You, Brian is so mad right now. Yeah, he's so mad online. <laughs> he's red. Nude I was going to say I'm red and nude. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh. <laughs> so Zach, why did why did you hate this so much? <laughs> I well, I only have two modes. Um, um, tech and not tech. Yeah. Well, one mode one is for kiss kissing. One, one is not. Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Never too bad uh, of you to make that joke. Oh no! This okay. So no, this one was good. This issue was good. Um, I bet Vince loved that variant cover. Um, oh, I don't even hang on. I gotta go yeah, look yeah, at I it. I have to look at why Vince talking. I'll um, the main cover did kind of do the thing that we always oh. talked about. Um, <laughs> it's because it's it, Kelly Jones. Yeah, know? it did very, the thing. Um, but yeah, no, this was fine. It was fun. Um, I did think it was kind of funny how. It, um, Papa Midnight was like, yeah, it's kind of dumb that you have everybody together in one place where the other kind could come. And then literally the next page, <laughs> all of the other kind showed up. So yeah. that was funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm glad that Khalid's back. Um, I, as, it'll be weird, I feel like, to see him like fate up and have someone other than Sonny Lou drawing him. Yes, I'm. I'm kind of interested to see how. Although didn't didn't um, who finished up that? Uh, it was it was um. I think Abraham Mustafa. Is that am I saying that right? Abraham Mustafa. He did he did some of Mustafa. it, but, but I want to say. Keep talking. Okay. Um, which like I think Mustafa had a pretty at least like somewhat 
style that was like in line with um with Sunny Lou. I I'm not sure. I didn't follow it very closely at the end. So if someone else wrapped it up, I didn't see that. I want to um, say it was shit. Um, I'm looking it up now. I, I, I was say gonna just say that Martinez. Brandon has Peterson. Like, Oh, brand! Ooh, that's weird. I think it I'd was. I'd have to go look at that. I'm looking. Now. Well, then I, I, I'd be interested to look at that because, like, my my thing about Martinez's art is that it's more, um, like, in line with kind of I think like typical superheroic style. You know, like, it's very good. It's really good art, but it is more like cape comic centric. Whereas, like, that Doctor Fate series had a very distinct feel, and I, I'm kind of like interested to see how he like differentiates the the like younger dr fate against the like current one like i i'm kind of almost expecting them to just be like a teen titans version you know what i mean as opposed to i'm just interested to see how that is i'm sorry brandon mccarthy brandon mccarthy did the last couple issues oh that that's weird yeah that's some weirdo art is that He's the one that always has like the neon colors, like the bright pinks and and greens. I think I'm thinking um, of Trevor McCarthy. Yes, Trevor you McCarthy are. did Gates of Gotham. Right, that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know if I know what Brendan McCarthy art looks like. Oh, you'd know it if you saw it. Hang on, hang on. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm gonna get you. Uh, I'm gonna get you some of it here. But I definitely understand what you're saying, though, in terms of like it's going to be weird to see, uh, to see Khalid not, not done in like an unusual style. It's weird. Yeah. To see, it's weird to see him in a more traditional cape comic. Yeah. Vince is sending us. Oh, some. interesting. Okay. Man, I never finished that run. I need to go back and do it's that good. one day. It's good. It drops off a little bit after Lou leaves, but it's it's still mm-hmm. good. Um, but no, I I liked like one of the problems I've had with Justice League Dark thus far is I feel like it hasn't utilized the full team enough, and I feel like this issue did a nice job of giving us a little bit of each team member without feeling like you were neglecting somebody else or like you were just you know jumping in for a second here this felt like a pretty cohesive book that happened to feature all those characters and i really liked i mean obviously the khalid stuff was was super fun but i also think that bobo is becoming uh, an interesting character in this book i like what they did with bobo this issue overall i just felt like this was Maybe the best issue of a Justice League title, not counting the annual, in a few months. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, the stuff at the bar was really fun. Swamp Thing and and the little swamp minions he created. Yeah. Um. Actually yeah, drinking then, a beer. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that was good. That stuff was good. Um, the, oh, ooh, Papa Midnight. The Papa Midnight stuff was, was good too. 
No, right. no, I, I, no, I agree. No, we, we it, it was fine. We kind of talked about it before. I agree, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just feel like this is doing a really nice job of taking the the more mystical elements of the DCU and giving them a place where they can all hang out and do some fun stuff. They can let it all hang out. Yep. This is cheers for uh, for the dark corner of the DCU. <laughs> Where everybody knows your name? Yeah. Obviously, Bobo is Sam Malone. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, uh, Swamp Thing is Norm. Everyone knows uh, his name. Does that make Etrigan... Uh, uh, what does, what's the other one's name? Kirk isn't there, but he's Frasier. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Kirk is definitely Frazier. Um, yeah, who are you saying? Cliff is. Uh... Yeah, Cliff. Cliff is Etrigan. Yeah, Cliff yeah. Layton is Etrigan. Yeah. Um, let's see. That means that... Zatanna is obviously Diane. I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, Rhea Perlman is what? is. Uh... Wonder Woman. Oh, but wouldn't that make? <laughs> no, I was gonna say, uh... <laughs> who's the girl? Uh, Tracy. Oh, Tracy Thirteen. Yeah. Reappointment. Yeah. If, if, if Zatanna's Diane, wouldn't that make Constantine Sam though? Yeah, I guess. Because I mean, he really kind of is. So does that make Bobo Woody Harrison or Coach? Woody, 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 Woody. for sure. Okay. Bobo's Woody, absolutely. Okay. Um. Are you forgetting any classic Cheers characters? Um. Uh, let's see. Kirstie Alley's character. Who will replace Santana? Is that is that Diana? No. Oh, yeah. I suppose so. Yeah. Yes. No, I th- I think I think couldn't couldn't she be Wonder Woman? Yeah, Diana. Yeah. That's what no. I said, Diana. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you said Diane. Diana was Diane. Sorry, no, I, no. it's a very sim- similar names. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think I think that's everybody. So then, in the Man Bat spinoff, that would be Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> um, who who was the Niles to? Uh, to well, Kirk's? Blue Devil, obviously. Yeah. Um, so who was Blue Devil in love with? Because that's Daphne. <laughs> I how about, don't, I don't how, know about if... how about Shadow Pact is Fraser? There we go. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, there we go. Cause salads in Shadow Pact. They're calling again. Yeah. <sighs> good, good stuff. I, our listeners love it when we do that. We presume they do. <laughs> uh, anything else to say about this issue? Nope. I uh I I I'm of two minds about this where on one hand I I love how interconnected the Justice League books are supposed to be, but I'm also glad that this is kind of standing on its own right now. Yeah. Well, let's take a break and we'll be back in just a minute with uh more 
Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commandy. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back with Red Hood Outlaw, number 31, written by Scott Lubdell, illustrated by Pete Woods. Um, so this is the issue where I say that Zach is right, and this book has been good. Uh, this issue really sold me on this whole last arc or so. We get the return of Bunker, which is a character I I knew that I missed the character, but seeing him here sort of reinforced how much I missed the character. And uh, there's some fun stuff in this issue. Vince, you disagree, so talk to me about it. Uh, I... Uh... I just now I I like Bunker. I'm glad Bunker's back. Uh, so let's get that out of the way. But everything else about this issue is just it was Red Hood was 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 in such a good place. We're talking like top ten book DC was publishing when it was him and Artemis and Pizarro and. It was just in such a groove, both artistically and tonally. And now I feel the tone is the tone is off because in some ways they're trying to do this like edgier Jason Todd somehow. And but 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 again they, they won't really commit to that and they keep hinting that maybe um he'll get back together with that other team, but at the same time it it feels like towards the end of this issue, they're moving even further away from that dynamic. Um, I think wingman is not near. I think bunkers an interesting character. I think wingman is not nearly an interesting enough character to make up for losing uh, Artemis and bizarro. So, you know, the art is nice. Pete Woods is always good. I don't think the book is like bad, bad. It's not like, it's not like Teen Titans love Dell garbage. It's just so underwhelming compared to those first 20 whatever issues that it was, you know? Um, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not I, disagreeing I, that it's, that it's, that it's, you know, a shadow of what that, those first, you know, 20 whatever issues were. Um, but I think that the possibility of a Red Hood Wingman Bunker team up for a while is really fun. And that's uh, Wing, different. Wingman is just such a nothing character to me. I mean, to be fair, we haven't been given too much time with Wingman here. We literally don't know who he is, even though we see him. Well, wait a minute. I are we sure it's not just the the old Wingman that Wingman has always been? Swedish... Jason Todd was wingman. I thought the other wingman died. Did he die? We're, we're sure it's not just that that guy again. Somehow not dead. I don't know. The Swedish Swedish Batman. 
I mean, like yeah, his name was like Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Benedict IKEA or something like that. <laughs> Benedict Schnordgruppen. I'm checking the DC wiki. Let's see. Benedict Run Runstrom. Run yeah, sure. Ultimately he was shot by his accomplice accomplice while he was trying to escape. Okay. Then it is weird that and so so if this is not him, then it is weird that we see him, and nobody really like we're just supposed to know that that's Wingman because I don't know I don't like it I don't like it. I thought this issue first of all I think that all the stuff with um what's the villain's name in this solitary solitary um I didn't think the character was all that interesting. Until they began to sort of tease that maybe it was Jason's dad. And then they show that it's not Jason's dad, but he thinks he's Jason's dad. That's kind of an interesting twist on the uh, the whole like, I am your father trope, which is obviously so pre- prevalent in so many Is it, though? Stories. Is what? it interesting? You don't think it's interesting? There's a guy who believes he's his father, but isn't actually his father? Not really, no. All right. No one's asking me what I think because my it. opinions are because my opinions are bad. You think it's um, you think it's better than tech? What do you? I mean, I get it. It's fine. <laughs> I think this is the worst issue of this arc. Uh, you're so wrong tonight. God damn it! Why do I do this? <laughs> no, Zach's right. Zach, you're a genius. <laughs> this is not worse than the first issue of this arc. I, I think it might be. I thought all the interaction with his fake dad was like kind of weird. I thought the stuff with Wingman was weird. Although I am like you, and I am actually interested in a in a a new Red Hood a, a outlaws team of Red Hood, uh, Bunker, and Wingman. I'm I'm here for that. I think that could be good. Um, oh, you're wrong again. You're bad I'm, again. So. I'm glad Bunker's back. Um, I think Bunker is like low-key one of the like better new 52 characters he's one Mm -hmm. of the top five characters introduced in the new 52 yeah i i think that yeah i think so um but i i was not very impressed by this issue i guess for me this issue was where sort of things that had been teased or set up in the earlier issues of the arc started to come together and that's why I appreciate it, because I guess maybe I, I didn't have confidence it ever would come together. Um, but yeah, this is this is better than tech, for sure. No. <laughs> no, it was. I'm with Zach on that. Tech we'll get to better. a book that's better than tech, but we haven't talked about one yet. <laughs> I, I don't agree with that. I just want to be clear. You what? I, I said I just want to be clear. I don't agree with that. That I've been agreeing. I've been agreeing with Zach a lot, but I don't agree with what he just said. You don't think there's a book we're going to discuss that's better than tech? No, no. I said we're going to. He oh, said, I see. He said we. He said we haven't discussed one that was better than. Oh, tech. I, I see. Okay. So I, don't I thought you with, were arguing that. that one of the books we're going to talk about is not better than tech. No, and I was about to be shocked. No, okay. no, no. 
Oh. All right. Um, one last note. Pete Woods is great on Red Hoods right now. Mm-hmm. Legit great. All right. That brings us to Superman number eight, written by Brian Bendis, illustrated by Ivan Reyes and Brandon Peterson. Uh, great, great variant cover on this one. Yes, the best. Best of the week. Rob Liefeld drawing some feet for once. Uh Superman with uh, the most like perfectly bisected chest you've ever seen. <laughs> the uh, bottom point of his uh, chest emblem seems to disappear into his uh, abs somewhere. Yeah. All right. Well, Zach, since, since you did not discuss the last issue there very much, why don't you start us off with the Superman chat? Um... This issue is really good. Uh, this okay. Well, I want to hear what you guys think <laughs> because I I really like this issue a lot. What do you think about the whole like Superman taking out his aggression on Mongol? What do you What do you think about that? That was the one part of the issue I kind of had mixed feelings about. Same. Just a little bit. Yeah, because on one hand, I think that Superman, like, running, flying away to punch something so that he gets out his anger and doesn't actually hurt anybody is a very Superman thing to do, right? Yeah, because it's unreasonable to think that he does not ever get angry. Right. Right. Um... But I also think that while Mongol is like a very serious supervillain, it sort of seemed like it was, uh, they were saying that it's okay to punch people. And I feel like Superman never thinks it's okay to punch people. Right? Like Superman does that because he has to. Not because he thinks it's a good thing. Does Superman punch Nazis? He punches Nazis. He, right. he does punch Nazis. But again, he Mongols would, like a space Nazi. Yeah, he would rather reason with them though. But he, he would. But he knows that there are times when violence is the only solution. I don't know. Is is there are there times when violence is the only solution? Uh depending on who you ask, certainly. Malcolm it, X it does, yeah. yeah. You uh, would say that. Um anyway. <laughs> Vince, what do you think about the Mongol punchings thing? I don't really have an opinion on it. I don't think that it was particularly... I mean, first of all, Bendis has shown Superman do this a couple times already, I think, in his run. Um, not not flying off to... Uh, in the middle of a conversation with his family to take out aggression on somebody else, but he's talked about it before in this run, I think. Mm-hmm. There was some um, stuff with Rogar, Rogal Czar. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think I think Bendis' Superman is still a very thoughtful character. I think all that stuff comes across as measured and thoughtful, you know. Yeah. And I think I think it's fine. I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think I think if that's something that people are going to quibble over, um, 
I don't, I don't think it's a worth. I don't think that's a worthwhile argument to be had, you know? Um, the bit where he comes back to Lois is funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. Know, I mean, anything we can use for the paper, <laughs> you know, not really. Uh, yes. It's very human of him. Um, I think this, I think this, I liked this issue a lot. Um, I think it's a, l- a little bit Bendis being on his bullshit. Can I can I which, say that? Which part? What or I mean, just the whole thing. Or... I mean the conception of this storyline now, because because of how it's at, constructed. Yes. Yep. Look at the end of the issue. Uh, the subtitle is the Unity Saga: The House of L Part Two. Correct me if I'm wrong, but every issue of Superman so far has been part of the Unity Saga arc, right? Mm-hmm. They've had different subtitles. Now, this is a different arc. Now, this is the House of L arc, right? But it, but the banner is still the same, the Unity Saga, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, now, now we're eight issues into this, and he's still calling it the Unity Saga, and I'm not entirely certain what that is supposed to mean. Like, what is that really in reference to? What, what what are we unifying here? I don't think we know yet. At first, I thought it was going to be like the House of Zod and it, the House of El. And I think that's what it's going to be. Okay, so so if that's the case, this is Bendis doing his being on his bullshit. And 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 I'm not saying like do not interpret this as me like really critici- criticizing or saying like I don't like what Bendis is doing because I like everything that's in this issue. I'm just saying like I can already see. Some some of the minor things that I didn't like about like Ben like the way that Bendis would structure his storytelling when he was over at Marvel that I felt was kind of improving over here at DC. Uh, it's it's just odd to me that if that's going to be what the 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 mission statement of the Unity Saga is going to be like we're taking all these detours. Um, well, is this a detour? Because here's here's why I'll say maybe it isn't, because what has been the like overarching Superman Zod story over the past eighty years? It's that Zod was in opposition to Jor-El, and that Clark is siding with what his father thought was right against with what against what Zod thought was right. Maybe this is saying Zod hashtag Zod was right. Like this is him recognizing the folly in his in his father, and showing that the House of El and the House of Zod can work together because Jorel is not who we thought he was. Yes. Yep. And I think that you know if it comes around and that's and that's the case, then that's a really neat sort of storytelling twist based on 80 years of what we know about Superman and his supporting cast, I think that, and his origin, I think that's great. But what I mean is that like adult John Kent or like not adult, uh, like, like post pubescent adolescent John Kent was introduced. Emo phase John Kent. Yeah. Yep. In Superman seven. And he teases that, oh, I'm going to tell you the story of my travels with with Grandpa. And then he kind of does that in 
this issue. And then at the end, it's it's still not over. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. I, I, I agree. You know what that. I mean? Like, I feel like this, the silly putty is being stretched like Pat. And, and again, like, I'm not, I'm not saying I didn't like like what happened in this right. issue. I'm just saying like, if this story is about, I don't know, all of a sudden at the end the crime syndicate is, you know what I mean? That's a huge reveal and you throw that in at the very end of this issue and then you go oh god damn next issue is going to be more of this you know yeah <laughs> which is fine because i'm enjoying all of what it is but 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 do you see what i'm saying like it's this kicking the can down the road stuff that that like i said i i don't i'm not even saying i dislike these story choices but but what happens sometimes and what i feel like happens what i felt from Bendis at Marvel was that sometimes this stuff would get kicked down the road and then the, the payoff was either not good enough or there was no payoff. I mean, isn't this kind of what we said about young justice two last week? We're like a little bit. We're like, we didn't mind what the story was. We just felt like it was an oddly paced. It was an odd place to put this, that part of the story. And I feel like we're saying the same thing here. That maybe an issue or two of flashback right away would have been better than these half issues of flashback that we're getting, presumably for twice as long. Yeah. Yeah. Or or if or if if somehow this stuff was was woven concurrently into what Superman was going through while John was away. If it, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I mean, Bendis is the, he's paid handsomely to write stories. He's got more talent in his pinky than I do. I'm just saying like my feelings as I read this, I go like, ah, is like we're drifting further and further from the, the point. You know what I mean? Sure. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Are those the death bringers they fight in this issue? Yeah, the like hawk people. Yeah, I so the Deathbringers were colored red, right? They're they're like costumes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and these very much look like traditional Thanagarian army. Uh, uh, oh, except for the one that John is punching. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. All the rest of them look like regular hawk people. Hawkman. Hawkman. It was just an interesting I little think connection. That one is maybe too. I think maybe the coloring is just like the, the, is the greens are more because of John's uh, whatever that gauntlet he has on. Yeah, like the coloring around it, like the the purples are blending with the greens to make them look darker. Because if you look at the ones in the background, they have like similar uniforms. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that they couldn't be Deathbringers, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems to me like we haven't really been shown Thanagarians as villains in a while. Uh-huh. You know, like, or at least in the villains in the sense that, like, that Jor-El would, would target them. Right. Whereas Deathbringers seem like a more logical thing for him, him to be targeting right now. But regardless, I I I enjoyed this issue quite a bit. Um, Zach, anything else to say about this issue? Mm-mm. I'm interested to see where this 
crime syndicate stuff goes. I don't exactly remember where we left off with them in Forever Evil, like other than the. I think Power Ring was dead. I think a few of them were dead. Was that the last time we saw them? I want to no, yes, no. Hold on. We saw them in that uh brilliant uh holiday special story. Oh yeah, you're right, we did. Yeah. That that you guys hated, I think, and I liked. That was the last time I remember seeing them in a continuity manner. When's the last time we've seen Arisia? Because she shows up. That's a good question, too. I'm not sure. It's been a while. Oh, no, wait. Didn't her and Kyle have a thing for a minute in a book? I don't. A romantic thing? Like like a while back, like in the New 52, right? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, this is good. It is good, yeah. And uh all right, well let's let's dig into Wonder Twins number 1, written by Mark Russell, illustrated by Stephen Byrne. Um Zach, why don't you start off this one? This is the best book of the week. <laughs> yeah, it is. This book... Eh, this book could maybe be the best of the Young Justice books so far. The Wonder Comics. This book could like be in the top five books dc is doing like the, i don't want a trinity to this or anything <laughs> but like this issue whipped really hard <laughs> thunderlust thunderlust yep it is it is as close to a perfect issue of a uh, corporate superhero comic as i have read in a while i think yeah the way that it's Every page and every panel is packed with meaning in the way that, like, there's not a word wasted. Any Every reference or, or seemingly irreverent bit is kind of cycled back to by the end. Mm-hmm. It's really damn funny. It looks gorgeous. All the characters are hot. <laughs> Everybody Stephen Byrne draws is hot. Have you noticed that? Even El Dorado, who gets a very, very brief appearance here. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say. Like, it very much takes place in the current DCU in the in the Hall of Justice in the in the current Snyder, you know, whatever, right? But but there's little wrinkles like that 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 nod to the Super Friends, right? The old control room. Yep, the supercomputer. Yep. Um, yeah, just, oh my God. I I love this book so much. Uh, Thunderlust. I have Thunderlust for this book. Yep. Um, Zan being the ice for the hockey team. <laughs> yeah. Zan and Chef Kiss emoji right there. 
Yeah, the guy wearing like the the traditional Dutch boys uh, costume as he tells his class about the Dutch. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm just going through. I'm just scrolling through right now, like uh, everything. The Thunder lost. The way that uh, they wound up defeating Mrs. Pitalik. Perfect. Yep. Perfect wrinkle. Um. The we just discovered a body in the park. Hawkman says, and yeah. says "Congratulations!" <laughs> <laughs> so many good like reaction shots. The stuff where the stuff where Zan gets thunderlust and then he comes in and explains it to Diana, and of course she's like sensitive about it, but then tells Bruce and Clark go, yeah. goes right ahead and tells Clark about it, and then Clark says, "Zan, uh, Zan became a man." Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yes. Love that. Yes. yes, and like his and his, his and Bruce's own their own stories. Yeah, their own uh, love stories. Yeah. yeah. What was Bruce's? Uh, how deep is your love? He wrote a BG. How deep, yeah BG's parody song yeah. uh, about a girl in his class. Um. Oh man, just it reminded me the the comedic timing at times reminded me of Harvey Birdman. Um, in some ways, like, especially like the, he became a man today scene. <laughs> it was just so every, like, every panel and every word of that is, goes into the joke and, oh man, so good. And, and to like summarize all of my thoughts on how much I love this book, it does the thing that I want DC and Marvel to do a lot more of, which is. There's not really a central. I mean, the central conflict is with Mixus Pedelec, but, but but not really. Re- no, really, really, that's just a means to an end for a punchline at the end of the issue, right? There's really no conflict in the in this issue. It's like a slice of life comic. It's like the first slice of life comic that we've gotten from the mainstream DC universe in like forever. Yeah, you know, and I want more of that so badly. And it it also introduces the characters in a way that feels both perfect for the Wonder Twins and also doesn't feel totally out of place in the Rebirth continuity. It just, it serves a bunch of masters and it does it all really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just wearing their goofy purple jumpsuit costumes and there doesn't have to be any like explanation as to why or how they got them or what their origin is. You know, their origin is like hinted at when Superman's talking to their dad. Um, but like, I also, yeah, sorry, go ahead. It doesn't get bogged. It doesn't, I was just going to say, it doesn't get bogged down in any of that. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't bother with unnecessary shit. I mean, you know? even, even when their powers are explained to wonder woman, and she says, like, I am underwhelmed. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, it's, it's perfect. It, uh, it tells you everything you need to know about their actual power set, but it also doesn't, it doesn't leave people wondering why it happens that way. It's just, I'm underwhelmed. Perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That very nice Dustin Wynn variant cover. Mm. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So here's here's my question, boys. Where did Mark Russell come from? I think we all liked Prez, but nobody was like Prez is the best book DC's putting out. 
But since Prez, everything he's done at DC has been really, really good. And yet he's only done miniseries. I think he I think his writing is well suited to minis though. Like we actually we spoke with him about Lone Ranger and he said he prefers miniseries. But I still can't imagine him turning down a an ongoing if DC offered it to him. Yeah. Well, I think they should, but you know, should and should and did are two different things. I think I I understand why he likes miniseries because I think he likes to focus on a few th- I mean not that you can't do this stuff on ongoings but I think he likes to focus on a handful of themes and sort of kick them around and play with them enough and then come full circle on it you know mm-hmm. um I think I think if every issue of Wonder Twins is kind of like this you could see how you'd get to six issues and a writer might say well, I've done I've done all the jokes and I've got all I've wrung all the emotional moments that I can out of these two characters, you know, and I don't have to think about a long-term plan for them, right? Mm-hmm. I and I think he likes that. I think he that's what he did on um Snagglepuss. Wait. Does that yeah, Snagglepuss. Yeah. I don't know why that that sounded wrong when I said it even. Um but uh but yeah, I think I just think he likes that approach, and and I think he's good at it, and he know he knows what he's good at. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I also think that sometimes you know, with with all of these with all the books that he's done that we've really loved, there's been a very specific thing he's been tasked with doing in the book, and this feels like maybe they, uh, maybe the task is just like. Introduce the Wonder Twins into continuity so that we can come back to this sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this was a this was a pretty good week of comics. I think it was a really good week of comics. We had yes. three really great comics. Be <laughs> uh, before we get into next week's hopefully equally good week of comics let's just quickly do our lists for this week so we had the good list which was uh, electric warriors goddess mode and hawkman the okay list which was the batman who laughs supergirl titans and wonder woman and the bad list which was detective comics no Um, (laughs) we didn't have anything on the new age of heroes list no that's that's the most surprising bit of all no new age of heroes books this week and nothing on the bad list, except there were things, but we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, because we already talked about Zach. No. Zach, you might say there was a, a another book starring a No. Certain... Okay. No, stop. <laughs> All right, okay. All we're right. going to... I'm a man of mystery. <laughs> Mysteries of love in space. Yes. In his pants. Also a book that was not as good as Detective Comics 998. oh you're a funny boy i would say the cover of that book was better yeah well that goes without saying it goes cover tech 998 the Mm. rest of the book sure that's how i'd rank that in my multiversity end of year rankings all right well let's talk about next week's comics 
most of which are probably going to pale in comparison to Detective Nine Nine Eight. Should I go uh, ahead? Yeah, go ahead. American Carnage, number four. Aquaman, number forty-five. Batman, number sixty-five. Continuing the price. Um, Catwoman, number eight. Damage, number fourteen. I bet that one's going on the New Age of Heroes list. Well, we may have to talk about that because that's because uh, that's the last issue, isn't it? Oh, that's the last issue. Yeah, I'm definitely going to read it then. I do read. I read the last issues. Um, high level. High level by our our oh. our, our man uh, Rob Sheridan. Yeah, who we spoke to at New York Comic Con. Yep, uh, and ha- he's got a pretty good uh, Twitter account, or at least he did when I was on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Justice League eighteen, Lucifer five, Naomi two, Nightwing fifty seven, Teen Titans twenty seven, and the Vaunted Wildstorm issue twenty. That sounds like that sounds like a week where there's going to be some that are better than Detective Comics in there. There will be there will be some, yeah, <laughs> a few. Like Damage, Lucifer, <laughs> Nightwing, <laughs> Nightwing. <laughs> oh Christ! Well, if you want to weigh in on this uh, on this you know argument for the ages here. You can uh, tweet at me with the hashtag Brian was right at Brian needs a nap. I don't need vindication. <laughs> I'm sending I'm you. I'm sending you the cover of Nightwing for next week to show you that there's no possible way that it's better than Detective Nine Nine Eight. Um, I'm I'm at Wilker Fox. Uh. If you want to find Vince on uh, Twitter, uh, oh my God, the cover to that issue! <laughs> oh my just, goodness! Just describe describe what you're seeing. Oh, no, I, I think you have to describe it there, Vincey. <laughs> well, you're seeing Rick Grayson, Rick um, getting getting the Joker's uh, the twisted freaking Joker's sliced off face draped over his uh, bounded body. By none other than your favorite and mine, the Joker's dang daughter. That is like that is a new fifty-two bomb right in your face. Is that that that? I mean, for so many different reasons, that's like one of the worst cover. And drawn by Chris Mooneyham, who you know, technically there's nothing wrong with the art, right? Right. But it's just it, Rick Grayson, that face, and and. The freaking Joker's daughter. Uh, if you need to get in touch with Vince, you can find. You may not know this about Vince, but Vince actually has a a friend who has a server in uh in various parts of the country, and so he routes his internet through there. So you can find him searching for uh all sorts of interesting things on Pornhub, but it does not come up as MILF, which is what his, what his state searches for. Uh, if we wanted to look at some of Vince's, uh, well, they're, they're a little bit not safe for work, so we'll just leave those to the imagination. But uh, <laughs> but we will say that uh, Droopy Balls is one of his common Pornhub searches. <laughs> I tried Good night, go, everybody. I tried to go with the one that's funny but not creepy. <laughs> Skin. 
Oh, God. <laughs> Good night. Cards are some of the horniest thing you can do. <laughs> that is why Vince is banned from four casinos. <laughs>